Let's roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for all things Kings of War. as they delve into the world of Mantica and bring you in-depth coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Counter Charge. I'm Felix Castro. Hi, I'm Scott Washburn. I'm Ben Stoddard. I'm Brandon Rossbond. And I'm Mark Zelensky. Welcome to another episode of Counter Charge. And we've got a very exciting narrative workshop for you tonight. If you were checking out Mantic Fest, you know that there were a couple of uh, very interesting things that were divulged and dropped during that uh, particular cast on YouTube. So we'll go ahead and post a link to that in the show notes. But that is kind of the impetus for tonight's cast because... Uh, again, there was uh, quite a bombshell drop during that, so we're going to get a little bit of uh, information on that, whatever Brandon will let uh, us squeeze out of Scott tonight. <laughs> so, but welcome, welcome to the show. So, well, it has been a while. Scott and Brandon, you have both uh, veterans. You've been on the show before. So, you know, we're going to go around the horn and uh, catch up with everybody. It's been a little while. So, Felix... You're actually in the car, which is why your uh, sound is a little off. So can you tell us uh, what you're doing and uh, how things are going? Yeah, not too bad. Just driving back from West Virginia to have a day trip. Turns out my battery charger for my car, not as good as I thought it would be. But uh, that's it. In terms of hobby, mostly been working on my Northern Alliance. Got almost 6,000 points painted up so far. But also working on Ogres. But I think we all have in the back of our uh, hobby collection an ogre army that's been sitting on the shel- sitting on the shelves, waiting to get painted. So I figured, why not? Not planning on playing them anytime soon, but low model count. Heck, why not? The painting ogres. What happened to the abyssal dwarfs for that uh, mantic project? Oh, they're there too. They're just they're, they're behind the ogres. They're just uh, you know, but they're there eventually. Maybe. Eventually. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. Scott, it's been a while since you've been on Counter Charge. I think the last time you were on, we were discussing uh, the Rat Catcher. So um, what's new with you? Well, of course, uh, the last year has been a, a challenge for everybody. Uh, so I'm, I'm sitting here in my basement office where I've been working and, and, and not working for the last year or so. Looking forward to retiring from my real job, my day job, uh, in about uh, 14 more weeks. And then hopefully that'll give me more time for gaming and painting and, and writing stuff. You know, most interest to uh, what we're doing here, of course, is uh, my last major writing pro- project, which was to write a story uh, for, for Mantic uh, through, my, of course, my publisher, Wing Tassar about uh, the the halflings and it's a book called uh, Broken Alliance and it chronicles uh, the uh, the halfling shires and their uh, the, the, the breaking of, of their relationship with the League of Rordia and the uh, ensuing unpleasantness and uh, I finished that up uh, last fall and I guess it will be uh, 
coming out uh, sometime this year. Uh, Brandon can uh, certainly fill us in a little bit more on that. But uh, that's what I've been up to. Well, Scott, you've reached my lifetime goal of retirement, so congratulations. Well, thank you. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it myself sometime in the future. So I, I'm definitely, definitely uh, getting to that point where I'm, I'm starting to think about it. So very good, very good. Well, welcome. Uh, we're really glad that you could be with us tonight. So, Ben, I saw your Night Stalker army. So very cool. It's looking awesome. And you just got back from Low Wolf. So. Yep. I uh, just got back from Lone Wolf where I was one position above Countercharger. So that, that goal still eludes me of making that, uh, getting that elusive award just one time at an event. But uh, I'm getting closer. Yeah, I took my Night Stalkers that I had that uh, posted pictures of my, my neon orange Night Stalkers, um, which I'm pretty much done with. I might add a few more units too but i think i'm getting to the point where i'm gonna push that one off to the side till i decide to come back to it in a couple of years kind of thing and and they're they're to a point where i've got pretty much one of every unit done or enough of every unit that uh, i don't feel the need to i need to keep working on it um and next up is i'm going to try and do two things at the same time because goblins by themselves just feels too daunting to me because i get tired of painting green so much so i'm doing a different green with the order of the green lady at the same time i'm going to be probably doing those two projects at the same time just to give myself some variety on my paint desk oh that absolutely sounds awesome so how was lone wolf i mean a lot of fun i mean there were what 56 58 players down there so there was a, I think there was 53 players plus all the organizers like Mark and, and all of his helpers and stuff like that. I think it took up to about 50, 57, 58 people or so that were there in the room. It was a great room. Lots of really cool looking armies. Uh, lots of really cool people that haven't, we hadn't seen each other in at least a year. For me, this was almost two years since my last event that I went to. Um, it was great seeing people like Rashad and Jeremy and, and um, people that are well-known in the community, besides the fact of uh, some newer faces that I hadn't seen from, some of the guys down in Reno. Uh, there's Blake Roberts and Benjamin Wise. I can never pronounce his... I didn't remember how to pronounce his last name, Weisert. Uh Some guys from Reno and Fresno area kind of thing that are starting up a new scene down there that was really cool to get to know them and, uh, and have some fun with them. Um, some new faces, some old faces... Just it was a it was a blast getting to see everybody, getting to finally talk to everybody, getting to play some games in a tournament setting. Everything was safe. There was hand sanitizer everywhere. Over half the room was vaccinated, uh, and everybody and most of the others that weren't vaccinated had had a COVID test prior to. Everything was done right. Everybody was masked up. It was it was well done. And as, at this point, we're now sitting at a week out over it. There's been no. Nobody's even complained about being sick after the event, so which is which is rare pre-COVID that anybody wouldn't have like the sniffles or con crud or something like that afterwards. But there's been nothing. It seems like everybody seems to have come away, and it was done well. Mark did an awesome job with the event. Um, it was just a good time all all around. That's great to hear. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, I mean, I almost hope the standard keeps going because, boy, the elimination of con crud is certainly something to shoot for. No, it was great. 
Fantastic, fantastic. Uh, Brandon, thanks so much for coming with us tonight on this little journey here. I, you know, Scott needed his handler so we could make sure we don't uh, get in trouble here. So, but uh, plus, I want to squeeze a little update out of you in our second uh, main topic segment tonight. So, uh, how are things going, Brandon? Uh, things are going really well. I'll uh, I'll get to the major update later in the show. But yeah, everything's going good. Um, busy, busy, busy. My uh, day job just started doing uh, – my day job, for those of you that don't know, is I'm a pharmacy technician. So when I'm not slave to my computer, I am slave to a counter. So um, we just started doing uh, COVID vaccine and COVID testing. So on top of ringing up prescriptions and gifts and renting surgical items, we're now doing that too, which has been smooth. But it's also days like today were extremely, extremely hectic. So that, that's fun. That's my major thing that's been going on with me. Other than that, hobby-wise, as I always say in the show, I really wish I had the time and opportunity to sit down and do some hobby stuff. But I, my friends and I just started redoing our Dungeons & Dragons campaign over Discord. We did our first session last Sunday, and it was a lot of fun. We all had a lot of fun playing it. We were able to invite some people who we don't, we can't hang out with in person to do it, so it was fun doing that. Um, I got my very first colored miniature from Hero Forge, and it is a beaut. I absolutely love it. For people like me who don't have the time to sit there and actually paint like I used to, this thing is, you know, it, it's not perf- It's not like somebody who sit there at, at a convention and just draw, uh, painted this amazing miniature. But for what it is, it's pretty darn good. It's better than anything I can do, especially with faces. So that's about the extent of my hobbies. Yeah, busy, 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 and it's all good, though. Everything is good here. Well, you know the hobby is more than painting and assembling models there, uh, Brandon. So you're you're a major participant in the hobby. So a hobby god, almost, one could say. So uh, I won't go that far. I'm far too humble. But I, any way I can contribute, I'm always happy to. Like being on the show, I love being on the show. Well, we love having you on the show. So that's cool. Pharmacy tech. I'm getting ready to ship my daughter off to uh, become a pharmacist. She starts uh, school in the fall. So I'm very, very happy about that. So very, very cool. And for myself, well, I am working on my halflings. So, or half men, I guess I should say, uh, from Westphalia Miniatures. Kawi is... Uh, put out some beautiful, beautiful half-men models. I know Rob had a spectacular army. I'm sure Ben saw it live and in person over there at Lone Wolf, so it was pretty good, right, Ben? Yeah, it was a beautiful army. Really cool models. I've never been able to see them up close like that, and those were, it was really cool seeing them. They're really cool models. So now you know what I'm working on, and so, of course, they will not be anywhere near Rob Phaneuf level, but, you know, I'm going to be doing them. And so, because they're so cool, I'm going to, uh, the way I'm going to set it up, it's an all-mounted force, basically. So it's going to be able to do Green Lady, Kingdoms of Men, and League of Rordia. So, and I know we've got a halfling army coming, but I'm thinking that I'm going to get Mantic halflings for the halfling army if we get the list in the uh cockbook as they were talking about or i'm sorry the annual update and then um i'll use my half men to do my other three armies so very cool and i love these little guys so if you go up on the uh matt croger counter charge hobby challenge uh, weeks there. You can see my progress as I'm assembling. I'm just waiting for it to get warmer. We actually had one really nice day, but I was working, so I couldn't get home in time 
before it uh, cooled off uh, for me to prime the models. But uh, they are pretty cool. I, I love these guys. So if you get a chance, Kawi has got them up on the Westphalia website now. So you can run over there and check it out. And uh, check out the Half Men. So they're very, very cool. And, of course, I am looking forward to the uh, Mantic Halflings coming in. But we'll talk about that a little bit later on. So, But while we go ahead and slide into our first commercial break, we're going to come back on the other side. And we're going to be talking to our special guest, Scott Washburn, all about his upcoming novel regarding the little guys. Hey, I'm Alessio Cavatore, and you're listening to Countercharge. And welcome back, everybody, to Countercharge. So uh, Scott and I are here to talk mostly about his upcoming novel. And, uh, you know, there are things we can say and things we can't say. Uh, A lot of things we can't say, but we're going to give, you know, the basic synopsis of the novel, some uh, thought that went into it, and like a, you know, Scott's perspective on working with this, because... Scott, you and I have worked together on numerous projects throughout the years, um, but this is your first full-fledged Kings of War novel. Um, you did – when we first started out working with uh, Kings of War, we did an anthology of short stories, and I approached you about doing Halflings because I, I know your writing style. And I know it would work good for that type of um, comedy originally. I wanted – that's uh, like the sarcastic comedy I originally wanted to infuse in that story. And uh, out of all the short stories, I think Ratcatcher got the – best praise from the audience i think that was the most well received how did you take the momentum of writing rat catcher and kind of try to build this novel and write this novel well brandon um it was an interesting challenge first off let me say uh you know working with the mantic people in particular matt gilbert was just a real joy i i've worked with some other game companies uh in the past and but you know, working with Matt was just wonderful. I mean, he uh, he listened to what I had to say. He answered questions. Uh, you know, he, he gave me his own opinions, uh, and we we worked together to you know create what I think is a very very good novel. Now uh, that said, when I was writing Ratcatcher as part of the anthology, I don't think Mantic really had the you know the, the whole halfling uh, situation nailed down so i was sort of working in the dark a, a good bit and i had to just come up with stuff uh and uh you know fortunately they seemed to be pleased with it but but uh i, I didn't get nearly the the amount of back and forth with them as i did with when i started writing the novel mm-hmm. and as a result you know, some of the things in the original short story didn't quite mesh exactly w- with where things had gone in the intervening time as far as Manticus was, was concerned with, with, with the halflings. So I had to, you know, do a little bit of gymnastics to try to link the two stories together. The one thing I did was was that the, the novel is set perhaps 25 to 30 years after the short story. So that gave me a bit of wiggle room to allow me to, to, to mesh things together. Plus, the uh, the main character in the novel is not the main character that was in, in the Ratcatcher story, uh, Dunstan Rootwell. Rootwell does show up in the novel, but but he's, he's definitely a, a secondary character. So between the, you know, the passage of time and, and the shift of, uh, of main character, I was able to sort of, you know, smooth out any uh, wrinkles that, that were... You know, that put one story at odds with the other. 
so you know working with Matt to, to do uh, Broken Alliance, which <laughs> uh, we didn't we didn't even have a title for it until it was almost completely written. Uh, <laughs> we were just calling it the Halfling novel, but uh, but it, it worked out you know really nicely, I think. Um, and as I you know indicated, uh, Mantic uh, had a much clearer idea of what they wanted uh, their halflings to be than, than they did when I wrote Ratcatcher. And and that was was a great help. Uh, although you know there, there were a few false starts here and there uh, where I did things and, and they that said what well, they came back and said, well, no, that isn't really what we we want. And and so I had to make some changes, but nothing too dr- drastic. And because Matt was so uh, willing to just to look at what I was doing as I was doing it, uh, you know, I, I would send him a few chapters and he would give me his feedback, and then I'd write a few more chapters and back and forth. It wasn't like I had the whole novel finished before he even took a look at it. So with that, you know, interactive uh, relationship there, you know, there weren't too many false starts that needed to be corrected. There, there, were, there were a few things. I mean, the I made a few assumptions uh, that perhaps I shouldn't have. I, I try to, you know, to bring a certain continuity to the, the cultures I'm dealing with. And so r- rather, you know, like, for instance, in, in, in the matter of, of names for, for people in the story, I, I wanted there, there to be a certain continuity. So I, I had deci- decided that uh, I was going to use uh, uh, Welsh names for the halflings. Uh, and uh, so I, you know, went online and found a a website that had a bunch of traditional Welsh names, and I was was plugging away with that for quite a while before I was informed. No, 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 no. The the, the half the halflings aren't Welsh. The, the the dwarves are Welsh, actually. And and so I had to go back and and any of the the, the really noticeably Welsh names among the halflings, I need, needed to change those. But you know, the, but those were, were, were minor things. You know, uh, thank goodness for find and replace. You can just. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, change, <laughs> change names very easily there. So, you know, as I say, there, there were a few false steps like that, but, but only a relatively few. I also got the impression that, that uh, you know, that like certain game issues as far as like the army list and so forth w- was actually being worked out almost at the same time I was, 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 uh, working on the novel because, uh, you know, information kept coming along, as I worked that, that, uh, you know, had me make some changes here and there when I d- described, you know, the armies that were involved in the weapons and, and, and so forth. But, uh, but that, that, you know, that sort of thing is fun. I, I'm, I'm a gamer as well as a writer. So it was, it was very cool, you know, seeing how this was all evolving as I was at the same time I was working on it. Yeah. It's one of the, one of the interesting things about when you're in this industry and, um, in the writing industry, Publishing in particular, and you have different IPs that you publish in, you you have your bank of authors that you work with, and you're like, I want to use this author in this IP because I really like their writing style, but you just can't find the right topic. And, you know, having having you in Kings of War was something that Vince and I discussed for a long time, that we, we really wanted to see you write a Kings of War book because of your writing style, yeah, your characterizations. Like, you, you're probably our most seasoned author in the company. I think you have almost... At least ten books that you've published with us, if not more. Matt Gilbert is definitely the best 
person that we've worked with from any company as far as making sure the authors are on the same page as us and the the company and everything is cohesive and understanding. So being able to put the two of you together on a project and have it be a very big lore driven project, we it was like for me it was like oh yes, this is going to be a good one. This is going to be like the the ultimate lore master with one of our best writers putting them together. It's like yes, this is what I'm looking for. Well, it, it certainly worked out well, I think, because uh, as I say, Matt was just was just a joy to work with, and uh, and I think uh, everyone's going to be very pleased with the the final result. Uh, it's it's a uh, fits in with the uh, the whole Kings of War setting, I believe, pretty nicely. And my writing style has always been that you know stories need to be about people rather than things. So the the characters, I think, are you know front and center it's it's not all just about you know well you know this unit charged that unit and then so and so happened uh you know th there are certainly battles of plenty because uh, that's what, what we're all about here but uh but still uh the, the the people the people are what make the story come alive and 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 fortunately you know i think matt was was fully on board with that uh, at no point did he come and come to me and say well you know you you, you need more fighting here you need more battles here you know so uh, you know chop, chop out that romance we, we have no room for romance in this story <laughs> that sort of thing there was nothing like that so it, it worked really well so scott what can you tell us about the tone of the novel i know that um that they've kind of established that the uh, the halflings are not hobbit-esque like tolkien short people and that they're not as jovial and merry um and they're not the lens we portrayed them in in Ratcatcher isn't necessarily the same lens as what mantic's trying to establish their halflings to be so what would what would you say uh, mantic is faced with a real challenge here that, that uh there are you know obviously are certain similarities between their world and, and tolkien's and trying to distance themselves from that, uh, it certainly makes sense for them to do so, but it, it's, it's not an easy task to, to do. You know, the halflings, uh, they're not hobbits, but they certainly have some similarities to hobbits. I mean, they're, they're short. Uh, they, they actually do have hairy feet in the Mantic universe. They, you know, like to eat. Like to eat. They like the good life. So, and, you know, they uh, smoke pipes and... Uh, eat a lot uh, they, they do eat more than a you know a human being would allowing for their relative difference in size uh, so there are those similarities but uh, you know what we've tried to create both Mantic and myself is, is a, a society that that's still you know different from from the Tolkien hobbits um, and to that effect one thing is is that you know they don't like to fight you know they're not natural warriors like the orcs uh they won't go to war over a offended point of honor like the dwarves uh they, they, they're not really into the whole military thing with banners flying and so forth like like humans might be but they do like their good life and they will you know fight like the devil uh, against anything they see as being a threat to that good life at the time that my uh, novel begins, they don't have a, a much of a standing army, but uh, but they do have a militia, and and they you know are more than willing to to march out and uh, you know do battle with, with anyone that they they consider to be a threat to to them and their uh, 
families and 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 their uh, their land. So you know that's a bit of a difference. Uh, another one is that they've got much closer relationships and interactions with the surrounding people than, than the Tolkien uh, hobbits did. I mean, in, in the Lord of the Rings and so forth, the the shires are are just you know in isolation uh, pretty much. The very occasional travelers come through, uh, but they're they're not. You know, interacting closely, whereas uh, the halfling shires in in the Mantic world, they uh, were members of the League of Rordia, and uh, you know, a lot of trade going on. There were uh, halflings living in some of the human cities. There were humans living in some of the halfling towns, and, and so there was you know a lot more contact, a lot more interaction. So you know, that, that's clearly a, a difference as well. So, you know, when I wrote the story, I, I had to, you know, emphasize those things as, as much as I could to try to, you know, make things a, a bit different. It was a challenge, but I, I, th- I think we've, we've succeeded uh, for the most part. So, you know, that being said, so obviously the, the tone of the story is a bit darker in a lot of ways, um, uh, at least from the, you know, the Shire, uh, the Tolkien Shire, as we saw it, say, at the beginning of The Lord of the Rings. Obviously, things got a bit darker when, when we see it again at the very end. But, yeah, it, uh, it, it it was very interesting trying to, you know, set this up so we had a, a believable society, that, 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 that and yet it was uh, distinctly different from, from Tolkien's. So I know that you were saying that you were getting real-time feedback from Mantic, you know, about how they were changing the rules and everything. Were you getting any, beyond that, were you getting any, like, feedback from the rules committee or anything about things that they wanted to change or see? Once I had the novel done, uh, Mantic actually uh, did hire me to do a short bit of work uh, to to do the actual fluff that's going to go, um, you know, at the, at the beginning of, of the, the Army's book uh, that, that I believe is coming out. So, you know, at that point, I, I was getting a lot more involved with the action with, with the rules committee and um, you know doing uh, actual descriptions of, of military units and, and how they, they function and so forth because you know uh, obviously a, a set of game rules is different from a novel I, I uh, in a novel I can you know just sort of say well you know and there, there was a body of uh, you know spearmen over there or a group of archers and then not really have to worry about you know, precisely how they were armed or how, how their weapons worked or anything like that, uh, mm-hmm. just as long as it was realistic. But once I got into to writing the unit descriptions for the Army book, then, then, it, uh, then I, I definitely was interacting more closely with the, the rules people. So that's actually a good point, is you have a lot of uh, military knowledge, and you, know, you do reenactments, and um, I, I know that you've been able to capture the spirit of armies in the novels that you write, like uh, the Great Martian War. But, so how did your real-life military knowledge come into play when writing this, especially when you were writing about halflings and not full-size men? You know, I've been a military history buff for forever, pretty much, and I, and I, uh, I do have a, a master's degree in U.S. military history. And as you say, I, I was a Civil War reenactor for, for many, many years. So I, I, you know, got a good idea of, of you know, what 
is and is not possible when you're dealing with large bodies of, of troops. I mean, having actually commanded battalions and brigade-sized formations of Civil War reenactors, I, I know you know the, the problems and realities of actually moving troops around on a battlefield, even if it's just a simulated one. Uh, so, yeah, I, I definitely put that uh, experience in, into my, my stories um, just to get the... Uh, you know the 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 soldier's eye view of, of a battlefield, uh, knowing you know what, you know what a, a, sol- a soldier in the ranks or even a, a middle-ranking commander is is likely to know or be able to see, and how he have to make decisions and react and so forth. So uh, you know, so 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 that's been uh, very useful having that sort of knowledge. So uh, you know, drawing upon um, you know a, a lot of. Hit- history um that i've read um yeah you know i, I try to make you know the, the battles as as you know authentic and realistic as possible allowing for the fact that of course we're talking about a, fa- a fantasy story so you've got uh, certain factors like like magic and 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 uh, marvelous uh, creatures and so forth that that, that uh, don't fall into normal military history but uh, but yeah I, I i try to make the you know the, the battle scenes comply as much as I can with historical battles that I've I've read about, and uh, and I, I think I've been successful over the years in the various types of things that I've written to to you know convey chaos and confusion of a real battle, but at the same time explain it in a fashion that that the you know the readers can actually follow what's going on. There, there's a sort of a balance there. Uh, you know there are. are writers uh, that will you know put yourself in, in in the boots of a of a grunt in the front lines and and, and uh, while while they'll write a you know a, a riveting you know account of what it's like to be there with uh, the, the the blood and the dirt and the smoke and 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 the pain and and the fear and so forth uh, but you can't really tell what the heck's going on in the battle as a whole which of course is totally realistic in uh, the stories I write, I, I want the reader to be able to at least follow the battle, and in particular when we're talking about a, a novel that's associated with a, a, a tabletop miniatures game where the, you know, the players, they obviously can see what's going on in the, in the battle. I, I think uh, you know, to balance it so you get both, you get the, the, the excitement and, 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 and terror of combat, but you can also see what... Uh, you know how the battle is is ebbing and flowing, so that that uh, that's what I try to achieve in my writing. Scott, a uh, quick question for you: uh, As we all know, the halflings were announced during Mantic Fest to um, a lot of fanfare, actually, and so we had you know we have a kit coming with a marshal on a uh, Arales, and we've got uh, cavalry on Arales, and we've got foot infantry and all that type of stuff. So. The Arales, uh One of the things that they mentioned was that there were they were babies or some kind of bre- something bred for them, kind of on the fringes. Is this covered in the novel at all? Yes, yes, it is. Um, now the the novel actually takes place a couple of years. The events of the novel are a couple of years, really, before. Uh, where things are going to be when they release their, 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 their halfling armies and the rules to go with them. Without giving too much away about the novel, the halflings, of course, were part of the League of Rurdia for a century or more. And during that time, their 
formal military had sort of been let go uh, and and dwindled a bit. I mean, they still had militia forces. They had you know light infantry, light cavalry, uh, and, and that meshed very well with the League of Rordias, you know, more heavily armored knights and and, and infantry. Um, but when the break came between the two and and, and conflict erupted, uh, the halflings realized they they uh, they needed to rebuild their armies to a, a, a more you know complete form when they they were going to need uh, heavier cavalry, heavier infantry, and 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 more of everything really. And the the Arales, um they uh, you know had been around for quite a while, but but they were you know quite large and they were very rare and 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 only like uh, you know commanders and generals and 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 dukes and so forth would would have an Arales. But the the halflings being very very good at agriculture and animal husbandry uh, started breeding a a miniature version of, of an Arales, which was still fairly large, but not nearly as large as the the, the normal ones. Scott, I have one more quick question. Can you tell me what an Arales is? Okay, well, uh, as it was described to me, and and I, I did see some three um, D uh, model uh, models of uh, the miniatures that are going to be coming out. Um, it's um, a magical creature. It it's sort of like a, a giant dog in, in, in appearance. Its its head is very dog-like, um, and it's got, you know, the legs are arranged like a dog. Um, apparently, a, a rare few of them actually have wings, but uh, but for the most part, it, it, they're just like giant dogs that, that are big enough to be ridden uh, uh, as a mount. Um, again, the, the, the halflings have bred a miniature version of them, which is more suited to their size, but they, uh, they have... Uh, you know, modest magical powers in that they—they, they, uh, I believe, they can heal, uh, heal their themselves or, or their riders uh, if if they get get wounded. I'm I'm not sure exactly how that functions within the game, scope of the game, I, but uh, I'm sure there's some sort of uh, bonus that lets them, uh, you know, discount hits or something like that. When I look at the miniature, they remind me of uh, Falcor from the Neverending Story. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the 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 head at least does. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So actually, Arales. It's actually a mythological creature. I think Armenia. I think is where it comes from. And so that's where the whole they can heal, revive heroes, and stuff like that. That's that's where that stuff. And I think in the game, it'd probably be best represented. But I think the the honor guard in uh, League of Warrior, they get Iron Resolve, so they heal back. Mm-hmm. a wound if they don't die. So I think that's, at least with that current iteration of the Arales, which is the Honor Guard on paper for League of Rordia ride, whether the miniature ones get that, who knows? They might just be cute and sit on your lap and keep you warm in the wintertime. That, that might be all they do, but, uh, you know. But yeah, so that, that's that's kind of the, 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 the background. Actually, you can Google Arales, and that's usually what pops up, actually. is It's a, it's a mythological creature that has some basis in, in, in a U.S. or not U.S., a world culture. Um, so, but yeah, they're, they're, they're dog-like creatures, some with wings, some without, but yeah. So, so just imagine these miniature ones are just smaller, big, giant, flying dogs. 
So at the end of your book and kind of an idea, and you can be as vague as you want to be on this, um, does this affect the halflings alignment or the League of Rordia's alignment in any way? Like, do they shift anywhere on that good neutral evil scale at all? And you don't even have to say which way, but is does that affect that in any way? Well, I, I, I'm, I'm not really sure how to address that, but uh, <laughs> without giving too much away, but... You know, the novel, is, it's called Broken Alliance, and, and it uh, chronicles just that, the, the breaking of the alliance between the Halfling Shires and the rest of the League of Rordia. And, uh, you know, what follows, uh, I think, you know, by the end of the book, both sides sort of come to recognize as a, as a tragedy that could have been avoided. And so I think by the you know at the at the end no there's no real alignment shift um they, they don't you know kiss and make up and everything goes back to being the way it was but but nevertheless a, a valuable lesson has been been learned by everybody and uh and for the most part they they, they try to you know move on uh, the, uh not necessarily together but but at least n- no longer um at each other's throats what piqued my interest is if the halflings of Panathor aren't Welsh, what are they then? <laughs> <laughs> well, again, this is just just uh, naming conventions. As I said uh, when I started out, I just in order to keep some kind of continuity, I, I, I decided, all right, well, I'm going to name you know, you know use Welsh names for my my halflings. I'm going to I used. Uh, uh, Nor- Norse names for the dwarves. The, 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 there are a few dwarf characters that show up. Uh, the, the Rordians themselves, uh, I believe, I, I gave uh, mostly Danish names. But then when I was told, no, no, the uh, you know the, the halflings are not are not Welsh. Um, uh, I, I should I was t- told to use sort of old English names for them, and and that's that's mostly what i ended up doing there's a bit of crossover uh but but uh, you know so, some of the some of the the welsh names uh if, if you know any welsh they've got some you know words where they, they don't seem to use any consonants uh <laughs> in them <laughs> or any vowels excuse me I, I i should have said but um and and they're very distinct and, and so i i you know replace those with with more more english sounding names okay. uh, but uh and the uh, the dwarves are, are should be using Welsh names. And, uh, although you know, again, this, this this comes back to the whole idea of, of trying to distance themselves from from Tolkien. I mean, I mean, once once the once the Peter Jackson film came out, and 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 uh, John, uh, what's his name, uh, played the Gim- Gimli. I mean, the entire world knows that the, the dwarves are Scottish. I mean, everybody knows that now. And there's, and there's just no getting away from it. So, uh, you know, I, I had initially had, had the dwarves speaking with Scottish accents and, and Matt said, no, 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 get rid of that. No, no Scottish accents or the, the door. The dwarves are not Scottish. And well, OK, if you say so. But everyone else, ever the whole world knows otherwise. But um, but be, be that as it may. <laughs> uh, duh. OK, yeah, I was just kind of curious because you know, I'm not totally not taking notes at all for, you know, possible future army. Uh, you know, background building at all, but uh, 
yeah, I mean, you're going to get that too because English itself is just a mishmash of a whole bunch of different tribes and peoples that inhabited the same island chain for a couple hundred years. So you're going to get that old English kind of almost mixing a little bit with a Welsh, a little bit of, you know, <laughs> the Angles and the Saxons and the Utes, Jutes, sorry, some little Pictish, you know, it's going to be, so you get the nice fascinating mix of languages on one island. So yeah, I could see some of those languages in name naming conventions sort of mixing and interweaving, especially as, you know, halflings are dealing with the League of Rordia, who have some interactions, like you said, interactions with dwarves. So that's that's going to be pretty neat. Uh, I'd be interested to see how this novel sort of balances that all out and kind of represents not exactly that at all, but, you know, a little bit of that flavoring of this is what happens when when two, when multiple peoples and cultures, you know, mix for, for decades, if not longer. So. Which brings up another interesting question is how long were the halflings part of the league? I know we could probably go and look at the timeline and figure this out, but uh, how long how long have the halflings been part of the league before the events of your story take place? Uh, according to the timeline I was given, the uh, the league and and the halflings sort of live side by side for um, well, in, in my opinion, an incredible length of time. I'm, I'm not I'm not sure about some some of the uh, the, the lengths of time that, that are given in the uh, the timeline, but but be that as it may, but um, uh, the uh, the halflings uh, joined the league uh, uh, about a hundred years before they, they then split apart again. So they they were uh, you know part of the league for about a century or so. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Scott. I know it was hard for us to dance around a little bit, and we're very very excited about the novel coming out. So, Brandon, can you tell us when it's coming out? I think it's scheduled to release later this fall. I, if if all goes well, we are hoping to launch it with the release of the Halfling novels or miniatures. I think that's what we had talked about. Now, I know you released Pius with the Armada release. That's why I'm asking. We have we've had a little bit more time to at least get this one prepared, and we've had a little. Obviously, we have a little bit more time to tell the community instead of hey, guess what? New game, new book. But um, yeah, so we hopefully will have this one out with the launch of the Halfling miniatures. Oh, very, very cool. So Scott had more than, what did Mark have, nine months or something to knock out Pius, if I yeah, recall give correctly? Or <laughs> give or take. So. <laughs> so one last question. Scott, how long did you work on the novel? Vincent, uh, Brandon's father, uh, approached me. Well, no, Brandon, you approached me first. Um, yeah. The, the Ross Bonds. The Ross Bonds <laughs> approached me uh, last uh I guess it was about May or June and asked me if I'd be interested in doing this. And I, and I thought about it for a little bit and uh, we negotiated a little bit and I said yes. And um, I was told that they really wanted the finished manuscript before the end of the year, uh, 2020. And uh, so I, you know, had a little more than six months to to get the thing done. And I, and I actually... Uh, Finished it ahead of schedule. I, I it uh, from start to finish, not including any editing, of course. Uh, it took took just about exactly six months, and I was able to turn the manuscript in in de- December. But then, of course, you know there there is an editing process. I, uh, I I I'm I'm lucky in that I, I've got sort of a double barreled edit here. Uh, in, in my past novels, when I finished the manuscript, I would you know send it into to Brandon or, or, or Vincent and. Uh, and they would 
do the editing, but but here uh, Matt Gilbert again, he gave it a pretty thorough editing, at least for content um, on his own. Uh, you know, he read the whole thing from start to finish and sent me back a whole lot of stuff uh, that, that I incorporated. Um, you know, Brandon will uh, of course be taking another look at it, I assume, and and yep. uh, and inserting. A whole bunch of commas. He, he always, he always. I, I just never, never have enough commas for his, his liking. So I'm sure he'll be putting a bunch of commas um, and and various other things. So we're technically in the editing process uh, right now. That usually goes on to, you know, fairly close to the the time of the release. Um, as with uh, my. Uh, my uh, Great Martian War novels, I, I've also created ab about, uh, I guess, 10 or 11 uh, maps to go with the uh, the novel. I, I, I love maps, and, and as my real job is as uh, an architectural designer, I, I, you know, have a lot of experience with drawing things. So I, uh, you know, included a bunch of maps showing uh, movements of troops and, and, and detailed battle maps for the major battles and so forth. So I, I'm, hopefully the uh, the readers will, will appreciate those. From a game play, uh, tabletop perspective, I'm sure people will too, because part, you know, part of what we always talk about is these should be battles that gamers should be able to recreate on the table. So I think having the maps will be really cool for a lot of gamers as well. Ben, I have to ask. So, is this a comma thing uh, correct? Did uh, Drown Secrets get a bunch of commas too? I'm going to plead the fifth on that one. I'm just going <laughs> to. Well, the only reason the I ask is uh, Brandon's Brandon's new nickname is going to be Brandon the Comma Rossbot. No, no, no. Scott beat you to that already. Scott, what's my what's my given nickname? Comma Commissar. All right. There you go. Perfect. Yeah, uh, you know, Brandon is is a disciple of the Oxford comma, and yes. uh, and, and honestly, I, I've become one too. It, it 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 does make more sense. So, all right. Well, hey, why don't we go ahead and slide into a commercial break? We'll come back on the other side, and then it's our turn to pin Brandon to the mat uh, while we try to squeeze some information out of him uh, for some upcoming releases and an update on Wing Tassar Publishing. We'll be back to countercharge after this brief message! This is Mark Langworthy. I'm the creative director for Red Scar Publishing, the publisher for the Kings of War role-playing game. You're listening to Countercharge. Hello, this is totally not Brian Blessed. Welcome back to Countercharge! All right, welcome back. Um, we just got finished talking with Scott about his upcoming novel, uh, Broken Alliance, that features the halflings. Now we're going to... Kind of shift topics a little bit and go a bit wider scope. Instead of focusing on the on a singular novel, we're going to take uh, we're going to give the mic over to Brandon and have him give us more of an update on what's coming up with Wing Kassar, what big projects are in the pipeline, what is he excited to talk about, uh, things of that nature. So, Brandon, why don't you give us a, a bird's eye view of what's going on over at Wing Kassar? The long and the short of it is, I have a lot of completed first drafts of manuscripts i have to get to <laughs> um yeah covid kind of put a big hold on a lot of things as with everybody's lives right now uh it kind of shifted our publishing schedule around where we've been delayed uh, you know with both of our day jobs and then managing all of the ips and everything it, it's kind of put a, a big grinding 
stop on a lot of our stuff. You, you'd think that it would give us more time, especially without convention or anything. But believe it or not, actually going to conventions is one of my biggest times I'm able to sit down and get through novels, mostly because I don't have to be at my day job and I can sit at my computer screen and actually just work for hours on end. While that might sound like a chore to some people, that's what I live and breathe. I love to just get into a novel and get into as much detail as possible and just make it as you know fine-tooth as I possibly can. Um, but that said, I have been backlogged with so many projects that it's kind of been uh, hard to get a grasp on moving forward with some things. So the biggest thing right now, Ben, you can help attest to this one, is we are nearing – Finally, what I hope is the end of uh, Nature's Night. Um, we've been kind of that's been kind of backlog with trying to get um, all of the parts put together and meeting some deadlines and making some changes and trying to make sure everything comes to a cohesive uh, understanding. But with the way we've been working things, uh, all the all the pieces are in place. I now just have to finish editing it. And we've got some really cool depictions of Night Stalkers and uh, Brother Brother Mark and the forces, the Knights of the Green Lady. We've really tried to delve into some new topics that we haven't discussed before because previously, the uh, when this was originally pitched, this was a Basilian novel, and um, we've kind of dealt with Basileia enough that people have you know got a good understanding. We want to kind of see more, so we've really been trying to reincorporate the changes in this to to get a wider view on some of the other factions um and then one of the authors in that series uh, in that novel james dunbar his standalone novel claws on the plane is going to be next he's got the first draft done we actually had a temp uh, a temporary editor that was helping us out with things uh ben actually your niece who was a great help yeah. She was a great, great help, and she's going to be a great editor. Um, but she was able to look through uh, most of Claws on the Plane and get me some feedback on that, and I think she enjoyed reading that. So um, that's the next on my uh, Kings of War schedule. Brandon, real quick. Is Claws on the Plane coming up before the Halfling novel? As it stands right now, yes. No kidding. Two, the two standalone novels that we have, Claws on the Plane and Battle of Dawn Keep, have been scheduled to come out sooner than uh, the Halfling novel, but because of the fact that we are trying to push for the giant lore novels to come out before the standalone novels, those things might get switched around. That's also, in the business we work, we have two very tough things we try to keep straight. First of all is the publishing schedule, and that's what goes to Simon & Schuster. That's what gets listed on Amazon. That's what we... In a perfect world, with all of our other works, that's what always comes first, is trying to get make sure the publishing schedule is as accurate as possible. But while we're working in such a big company, working with such a big company like Mantic, where they have a very clear set of how they want things to go, you know, we get novels like Pious and uh, Broken, Broken Alliance, where these are very big novels that tell a very big story, and they want these ones done before the standalone novels. Standalone novels are supposed to expand the lore of Panathor, but... They don't further the story. The big ones that further the story are the ones they want to see first and foremost get published. So while we have the standalone novels still commissioned and they are going to be published, they might you might see delays in publication just due to the back work that goes into pushing the bigger novels forward. Thus, that's also one of the reasons why Nature's Night has been delayed so much. You know, it is a standalone novel that, um, while it does tell a really cool story, and we we do see a lot of really cool factions involved, it doesn't push the plot of Kings of War forward. Thus, it kind of takes a back burner to works like 
Pious and Rise of Celestians and Broken Alliance and Ben's novel, those get the precedence in publication just because they are the big ticket things that we want to try to tie in with Mantic releases. While I do have all these novels commissioned, you might see kind of a shakeup in the publishing schedule as we move forward. That doesn't mean that they're not going to get published. It just means that we have to try to tie in with the big releases first. So bear with us while we try to get that situated. It's it's a different working atmosphere, working with a company that's involved versus doing our own thing. With our own thing, you know, we have a publishing schedule we stick to. Any new novels we commission get pushed after that novel. But with this one, you know, we answer to – I'm not going to say our bosses, but we, were, we answer to our partner. And if this is the novel they want to see come out first, you know, we have to make changes so that way we make our partner happy. So – while I have a lot of novels announced, just dates are always a little leery because of the fact of this. So if while I've mentioned on the past two podcasts, oh, yeah, Nature's Night is coming out. Yeah, it is still coming out, but we have to take into consideration some other things first. That's why, like, we have – we originally commissioned Ben to do In the Wake of the Leviathan, which is a sequel to Drowned Secrets. But because of all these other big projects, including one of his own projects, that got pushed back to somewhere down the pipeline. So there's a lot of works we're working on and a lot of really exciting things. Like we're pretty much covering every faction at this point. We have a novel commissioned for every single faction. But as of right now, the next few books coming out are going to be Nature's Night, Claws in the Plain, Rise of the Celestians, and hopefully by that point, then we're going to have Broken Alliance. Some other things get, are getting shifted around. Obviously, uh, Battle of Dawn Keep was originally supposed to come out Pretty soon, but uh, that's going to get, I think, pushed back to after uh, Broken Alliance um, in the big game of things. So always look forward to uh, checking out our Facebook page for the latest updates about what's going on. Uh, we do have a newsletter as well, so I try to you know, keep in touch with the community and let them know what our latest releases are. And that's another reason uh, things have kind of been pushed back. My role in Wing Hustler Publishing has kind of expanded a little bit, where I'm now Uh, doing our newsletter and our website so i've kind of got different i've got more roles than i did in the past so it's a good thing because we're growing and uh, business is you know still going despite covid but believe you me i can't wait till we can get back to our first convention and start talking to people and start physically dealing with books again well, that sounds great. You know, actually, I like the books coming out with the uh, releases from Mantic. I, I kind of like that. So hopefully you can squeeze it in. But from what you said, it sounds like we might get four novels before the Halfling Broken Alliance novel comes out. I say with that with the utmost amount of optimism. <laughs> um, I know I've got four pre-ordered. I have to go look to see which ones I pre-ordered already. I did that over Black Friday, so... Uh, big hint, people. That's a great time to uh, get your reading set up uh, for your uh, coming year. It's a great uh, present. So, but yeah, so very, very interesting. I'll have to go look that up, see what I pre-ordered. So, so do you guys like doing the hookups with Mantic? I mean, I yes, it's on the podcast. So your answer is yes. But, you know, I think it's kind of exciting, actually. Well, I've discussed this. I think I've discussed this in the past. I, I will say it a million times over. Mantic is hands down the best company that we've ever worked with. The feedback directly from them, uh, the collaboration with them, it's something that two partners who are working to further each other's goals should have. 
you know, we uh, Mantic now has a book section on their website that has all of our current releases out, uh, which includes uh, the Dreadball novel, The Last Hurrah. You know, it's a tough industry because, as Scott can attest to, we work with some other companies who are who take kind of a backseat to how the novels are handled, unless something infringes on what they've said. Uh, some of the other companies we've worked with in the past will say, yeah, go ahead, do that. That's fine. And then when the book is finished, they go, no, 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 no. This is all wrong. You need to make all these changes. And it's like, where were you any point of the planning process? And, you know, it's frustrating, but we do what we have to do to get these novels published. I cannot say enough good about everybody at Mantic. You know, uh, Matt, Rob, Ronnie, Dave, all of them have been a great asset to have working on these novels because any questions that you know the authors have they can directly ask people at mantic and they will get detailed direct answers on how to proceed anytime we have a question about scheduling about artwork about anything they can give us really detailed answers and they get back right away you won't be sitting waiting months to hear back from matt gilbert you'll get an answer right away which god bless him because that's it's not always easy to get answers right away when you're working in a company like that where you're you're not just answering us you're answering so many other people you're answering people in your own company it, it sending emails is not as simple as just saying okay you know my my personal philosophy is I don't like to answer an email unless I'm sitting in front of my computer because I want to take the time to respond to the sender, you know, sending a message over Facebook or texting is one thing, but when you're sending an email, you know, it's, that's more of a professional setting. I want to always make sure I'm answering with the utmost professionality and respect that the sender deserves. So getting in contact, having this direct feedback with Mantic is, you know, great. And, you know, Scott and Ben, you guys can attest to that as well, having worked on novels with them. Absolutely. I can, I can say that I've sent dozens and dozens of emails between um, Matt and um, Dave and all of those over in Mantic. And usually I'm with the time difference, I always send them in that what would be their time, like in the middle of the night, but usually by within a day or two, I have a response with that's answering my question or is giving me details that I hadn't considered. And that's the other thing is that um, they will actually come back and say, that's a really cool idea. Have you considered this? This is some, this is an Avenue that we've thought about that maybe might be a good direction for you to go in as well. Um, They've given suggestions, ideas. Um, They've put forth ideas for their own IP that, like for me, um, they've put forth ideas that I was a little bit scared to go near because I'm like, that's that's the big IP stuff. That's their their baby. Do I really want to include that in a novel where I'm where it's where it might be portrayed in a way that they didn't think about? And they're very good about coming forth and saying, well, why don't you use that in your in your novel? Why don't they? Why don't you try this aspect of it? And when you've written that out, send it back over and and we'll take a look at it and make sure that it's okay before we send it to publishing or anything along those lines. So, yeah, they're really, really on the ball about that and really easy to work with. I'll uh, say yes to that, too. They, they really are, you know, very, very, very good to work with. I, I really enjoyed working with them. One of the interesting things about a standalone novel versus a Manta Commission novel is – you know, the goal when you're writing novels in an IP is you always want to make sure, you know, you want to make sure the the community is happy. You can't p- please everybody, obviously, but 
people who are reading these books, 90% of them are players of the game, and they want to have a deeper understanding of how the world works and how the factions exist within this universe. And the Mantic-driven stories do just that. You know, they, they expand on things. They show how the world works without being without having be tied down to a rule book and just a snippet we take that potential snippet and we expand it into a whole story that we you know every mantic driven book is filled with lore that is going to help expand the player's knowledge about how the world works and that helps shape how people create armies and how people create backstories for the armies and while the standalone novels have some really fantastic authors the point of it is that they are mostly just that is standalone novels. Um, they are stories that do tell a story that use all the lore of Panathor, but their story is constrained within the pages. So while they might have a great story, it might not further anything in the world of Panathor. And it, you know, you can read it and say that's a great story, but I didn't learn anything about my faction, they're my army that I didn't already know. So that's why. Again, we put precedence on the books uh, commissioned by Mantic because it's going to work for both part for all three parties: Mantic, us, and the fans. You know, Mantic gets to tell exactly what they want to tell, explain what they want to explain. We get a very uh, high level, high priority novel, usually with a top talent author that we choose, and the fans get a top quality book. That helps expand their knowledge of and lore about the faction that they're either playing or interested in. So it, both of them are good. Both of them are, work in different ways, and it's it's a tough thing I think for um, fans who don't know. Like it, it's easy for us to say on the back end of things, knowing where each book came from. But like as for fans, they might not know like. Pius was a novel commissioned by Mantic, unless you're hearing this podcast. They might not know that Drowned Secrets was a standalone novel written by Ben. They might not know Steps of Deliverance was a standalone novel written by Mark Barber. They, you know, It's those little background details that we try to seed in and explain on these type of podcasts to let people know, yeah, this one gets top priority because it's Mantic's baby. This one got pushed back because while it's a great novel, it doesn't do what – it's not going to tell you the same amount of information that this novel will. Again, it's not that it's any less, but we're trying to take priority with our partner company first and foremost. That's this year. So what do you have uh, coming up for next year? I know I pre-ordered like two years worth of novels. So what, uh, what do you see coming after Broken Alliance? Somewhere along the lines is Mark Langworthy's Shadows and Infamy, which is supposed to deal with the League of Infamy. And Mark has been working tirelessly on it but with the rpg and everything going on with that again it got pushed back on the back burner it is still going to launch with the kings of war rpg when that happens um we've got faith aligned will be out by the end of the year by mark barber um that's going to be the sequel to steps to deliverance and i guess that's a good time to announce this but we are also going to be launching mark's third novel in that series alongside the second novel the second and third novel um take have characters from the, the first novel split up and both of their paths are going to be told at the same time so we're going to launch the novels simultaneously so our, our audiences can get both sides of the story that will eventually tie back up into the fourth novel that mark's doing but 
we we talked with Mantic and uh, Vince and Mark and I all talked, and we decided we're going to launch them simultaneously. So that should be out at the end of the year. Frozen Rage by Gordon Jones. He's working on that. I have the finished first draft of The Cost of Power by Tom Fern. Tom is ambitious and is also working on Mask, which is going to be the Morgoth novel. That'll Those will be out next year. Somewhere I have... I haven't... Now, this is a TBA, actually. So somewhere along the line, Ben's working on In the Wake of the Leviathan. But before he gets to that, he's working on his dwarf series of novels, which I... Every every email I'm copied in on, I, I get very excited reading the details of what Ben is working on for his and Mike Rossi is working on for his. Um, the dwarf stuff is just so good. There's so much really cool detail and background that these guys are working on. So, Ben, I'm very much excited to reading the uh, first draft of that one. I, I, all the little details that I've read so far are just very juicy, and I think... I think fans will be interested in this style of novel because it's different than all of our other ones. And that's all I'm going to tease on that. <laughs> I can give a brief update that I'm about 70,000 words in and I'm about the th- third of the way through that first draft, between a third and a half way through that first draft right now. So that's, about it. that's what I can add to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, also for apparently the end of this year we have Clint's second novel in the God War trilogy. So Rise of Celestians should, is going to be out in the next few months and then the God War second novel will be at the end of the year and then next summer will be Clint's third novel in that series. Uh, Rob's Goblin King novel will be out I think it's gonna we're going to shoot for next year. He's done the first draft of it. It is... I haven't gotten a chance to read it yet, but I have the cover art for it. It is very Rob Berman. People will be very excited about this. Uh, I'm very excited. I'm very excited about all of this, I have to say. It's hard not to be, but, you know, because Rob is the Goblin expert, everybody knows Rob and Goblins. Uh, I'm excited to see. Yeah, this is the first real tie-tie-in between Mantic and Wing Tusser because one of Mantic's own employees is writing in the hovel. So that'll be really cool to see how that all goes. Um, and then we've got some other standalone novels as far as Riley Nadeau and, uh, apologies if I'm saying his last name wrong, um, Kindred Adrift, uh, Mike Rossi with Honors Price, Danny Graves with Rage and Grace, and Mike McCready with Bastion. All those are standalone novels that are kind of, uh, TBA at the moment, uh, in the process of being written and you know we'll probably be scheduling them for 2022 2023 at this point it's amazing to think about that you know we're scheduling for 2023 but that's going to get here before you know it you know think about it like 2023 we'll be back at adepticon again having a good time once more so it might seem like it's a way off but man those dates sneak up so quickly and that's only the paper that you have coming out the tree wear, so to speak. So I heard rumor that there might be an audio uh, version of drowned secrets coming. So I don't know if Ray is in the uh, dungeon uh, recording that or not. So uh, do we have any kind of sneak peek on which novels will get the audio book treatment? As Vince always tells me, if there's a demand for it, we will do our best to meet it. So Ray is our, you know, Ray's been on the show and he's our number one audio guy. He's the guy we go to for all of our audio books. Um, he's done Scott's uh, Great Martian War books. If so, if you haven't checked out that, definitely check that out. If you like Ray's 
Steps of Deliverance. He did the Great Martian War books for us, and they were really good. Drowned Secrets is the next one he's working on for us. Um, I don't know how far along in the process he is, but I know that is under contract. And um, I'm sure there will soon be some talk to get Pius done as an audiobook if there's a demand for it. So, yeah, definitely let us know if you want to see some more audiobooks, and we will try to get as much contracted and worked on as possible. Ray is a very, very busy guy, but he does terrific work. So I'm looking forward to hearing Drowned Secrets read instead of having to read it myself. <laughs> as am I. As am I. Ben and I have looked over that thing so many times that it'll be nice to hear somebody just read it to us for once. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, well, I'm excited about all of it. You know me. I'm I'm a big fan of the novel, so very, very cool. Any, any other words of wisdom you need to impart uh, to us before we uh, head out to our next commercial break? None that I can think of off the top of my head. I'm words of wisdom. I'd say stay, stay safe and don't be stupid. Let's try to get out of COVID as quickly as we can and get back in the swing of seeing each other a little bit more often. There you go. I am. I am so ready. Losing two Adepticons was painful. So I am oh. really looking forward to getting back to it. No doubt about that. Definitely. Fantastic. All right. Well, while we go ahead, slide into a commercial break. We're going to come back on the other side, do shout outs and wrap up the show. Hi, this is Rob Berman and you're listening to Countercharge. And welcome back. Uh, it was a great discussion talking about Brandon, talking about the upcoming and future projects uh, for Wing Disar Publishing. So uh, with that, I guess we'll turn it over to Mark. There you go. Well, don't throw it at me too fast, Felix. You're up first. Aha. Well, I just want to play a little... Play a little, uh, you know. Classic reversal. Yeah, playing a little. It's like a pitch and catch is really what it was. Any shout outs tonight, Felix? Yeah, uh, honestly, a, a shout out uh, I'd like to give would be uh, to the greater Kings of War community. Uh, I mentioned earlier in, in, in the show that I was driving back from West Virginia. Uh, what I was driving back from was the uh, kind of memorial ceremony for Jesse Cornwell. Uh, it was a friends and family uh, sort of deal. And Kings of War community was brought up pretty heavily in the service slash get together um, from a lot of the people in, you know, talked about Jesse's love for the community, you know, love for the game, love for the people that played the game. And then talking to his family, a lot of the money that was raised from the sweaty gigante universal battle tournament. um, A lot of the money has already gone to good use with some of the um, vet surgeries and, and, and procedures need to get done on a lot of the the pets that Jesse uh, adopted. So, you know, kind of want to give a shout out to the King's War community because that's really awesome. And the family completely appreciates, you know, everything that the game meant to Jesse, that the community meant to Jesse. And so, yeah, just big shout out to the community on that one. So good job, guys. Well, thanks for going, Felix. You carried the weight of the King's War community on your shoulders. So all I can say is thank you. Yes. Fantastic. Scott, I'm sure you're just not working on uh, Mantic projects, so what else is going on in the world of Scott Washburn? Any shout-outs tonight? Well, let's see. Uh, my next, my current writing prog- project, I'm, I'm working on the next book in my uh, Great Martian War series. Uh, just really started that. Uh, no particular completion date uh, set for that, um, but... Uh, We'll, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, who knows? Maybe uh, Mantic will want something more out of me uh, after uh, Broken Alliance. We'll just have to wait and see on that. Other than that, 
Well, as I, as I mentioned at the start of the start of the program, I'm uh, closing in on my retirement date. Uh, once uh, I'm freed up from my day job, hopefully I'll have more time for writing and and some other things. Um, I'm not sure if if, if you know, I, I actually do have a small side business. It's called Paper Terrain, and it uh, sells uh, paper model houses and all kinds of other wargaming paraphernalia. Uh, it's been around for about 15 years, and it's been pretty successful. So uh, if, if anyone's interested in, in inexpensive but good-looking uh, terrain for their battlefields, check it out. It's uh, www.paperterrain.com. And, uh, and also my thanks to all of you for having me on the show here. And, and again, uh, more thanks to uh, the Manic people uh, for uh, working with me on the novel. And, of course, my thanks to, to Brandon and uh, Vincent uh, for uh, giving me a, a shot at, uh, at the, in the whole publishing business. I've been working with them for what, about six years now, I guess it is. And uh it's been a, a great relationship, and I hope it will go on for many more years to come. Without a doubt. Very, very good. All right. Mr. Stoddard, what is going out there in the uh, Wisping Plains out there in Idaho? In Idaho, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, <laughs> Don't sound too excited, Ben. <laughs> oh, it's still winter here. We, we're we threatened to get snow tonight, so um, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's my reaction to <laughs> I I want to give a couple of shout outs. One to, to Lone Wolf this past weekend was it was a blast. It was great to be able to get out um, and see a bunch of members of the community I haven't seen, like I said, in two years now. It's crazy that it's been that long since the last event I went to. Um, it was a lot of fun. It was great to see everybody. Um, I hope we can do more safe events like that in the future and have similar results uh, as far as as being safe and not being stupid and people following the rules that they need to follow in order to make sure that these kind of things can come back. Because man, if you want to feel a shot of of hobby mojo in your arm, the idea of going to one of these things and having just been to one, man, it feels great to do that kind of stuff again. Secondly, and and a shout out to Mark for running a great event for that one. Uh, Secondly, I also want to echo what uh, Scott was saying about uh, thanks to Wing Tassar and Mantic for for giving this opportunity to have these novels coming out. Uh, I remember a couple years ago, Mark wistfully wishing for novels, all that kind of stuff on the podcast. And now the floodgates have opened and it seems like there's, there's more novels coming than, than we can even keep up with. It feels like, uh, cause there's so many things out there and they're giving so many opportunities to first time writers like myself and, and others. They're so open to work with. They're so good at giving opportunities to members of the community, especially, um, Wingasar and Mantic, uh, both of them together are doing a, doing great work as far as including the community, making sure that uh, they're part of it all, and and working for the fans. Quite honestly, um, and it, and it's great to see that come through in the labor of love. Just looking at the list of titles and the list of authors writing them the vast majority are members of the community that play the game, which is a great thing. And, and of course we have members or we have authors such as Scott that hasn't played, um, hasn't played as much Kings of Wars as some of the others. That's also a great author. So the fact that they're diversifying up that they're giving 
seasoned authors the opportunity to just tell stories and help refine the narrative and the the community as well to help push the narrative in a direction that the community wants it to go it's a beautiful process it's it's very much a a goldilocks just right spot within the thing that's just you know chef's kiss kind of thing it's a great situation to be in and awesome community leaders and awesome opportunities for for everybody involved so big shout out to those two well there you go and uh well brandon's up next so uh you get to uh, take all those accolades brandon so i was just gonna say well thanks guys for giving me a, a swollen head I, i'm very humble about everything i i do so you know for me it's just who i am i want to make sure vince and i both we want to make sure that the community gets a very gets what they want out of these novels. We're all about giving back and we're all about giving authors who have never published anything but are great, great writers a chance to have their stuff brought to light and, you know, sell their novels. I mean, my first, I, I always wanted to publish a novel and I was committed to writing a novel. And when it first, when my first author and editor kind of like dropped the ball, I said I was never going to be like that. I was always going to make sure that I well represented the authors in our catalog and made sure that everybody got their fair chance. But that, that's another subject. My shout-outs, though. Again, I want to give a, a shout-out to Hero Forge for now having colorized miniatures. I think if you want a hero miniature for your army but you don't have time to put together and paint it, definitely check Hero Forge out. They've got some really cool stuff. Uh, I've, I have my own series called The Dragoon Clan, which is a fantasy sword and sorcery series that I've been working on for years and years and years and years. And I was able to make all the main heroes in my novel as miniatures, and I had them saved. If I had a 3D printer, I would be on that instantaneously. But because I don't, I just have all the files saved so that someday I'm going to actually buy them all, burn my wallet dry. But, you know, it's a really cool thing. It's fun to play around with. Shout out to you guys for having me on this podcast. It's always a blast to be on and talk to you guys and... You know, even though we can't see each other at a convention quite yet, like Adepticon, I'm I'm still very, very happy to be part of this community and talk to you guys. It's always a pleasure. It's always a pleasure having you on, Brandon. I'm still uh, we're still in the works for our Basilean Roundtable, so I'm still looking for I think a final member to go on there because Mark can't join us; he's too busy. So uh, with uh, personal real world stuff, but. Uh, Definitely. So we've got Brandon marked down. So uh, of course I'll be there, uh, but <laughs> it should be fun. So we're uh, we're trying to fill that out. So that'll be coming sometime soon. You know, it's kind of like uh, Brandon's novel release schedule. It's in the queue. It'll just it'll come out sometime. So you just let me know when that one is. I can put the shock collar on a little tighter on Mister Barber and you know twist his arm a bit and tell him. Uh... He will make time. You just you tell me what goes on. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, hey, I know how to get a hold of you. We'll go have we'll chat about that a little bit. It would be very nice to have him join us. So, all jokes aside, I'll, I'll talk to Mark and see what I can do to help sway his decision on that. Yeah, just get his schedule. So it'd be great. So we've been talking about it for a while. I just think that it would be a nice show to go ahead and go through, and you know, it might be actually be a nice uh, tie-in and get a. Um, if you let him talk a little bit about his upcoming novels and with the two of them coming out at the same time, that might be a good discussion. So we can kind of, we can kind of rift off of that. So definitely. 
That will be fun. All right. Sounds good. And then for myself, I just want to give a shout out to Westphalia Miniatures. Uh, the half men are awesome. Kawi, thank you so much. Very responsive. If you guys need anything, go check out uh, Westphalia Miniatures. Uh, great stuff. He's got a miniatures every month going on i mean he's got all sorts of stuff but i love the half men but it doesn't stop there he's got tons and tons of other miniatures uh that you can check out over there so definitely give them a look have you ever wanted to add some half men to your army do you want to find out why rob and i love these half men from westphalia miniatures so much can you paint yours faster than i can assemble mine well kawee from Westphalia Miniatures has sent me some half men to give away here on Countercharge. So go check out our Facebook page for more information. All right. Well, that's great. Well, I'm really looking forward to everything. Thanks again for everyone for joining us tonight. It's uh, great. It's been a little while since we've had the gang all together. So fantastic. I'm really looking forward to uh, things getting back to normal here over the summer. And hopefully in the fall we can start... Uh, you know, getting a little more together, and uh, but be safe out there. So, well, that's it for tonight, and until next time. The pie. The slice. The bite. Amen. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.